two, one. Well, welcome. Welcome to Fox Sports Packers. Let's get Tim Stewart. Tim, let's get Nate in the house. Nate, Nate, in the house. Yo, yo, it's your boy. <laughs> it's Christmas break, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It is Christmas break at the Erie House. Got all the Erie boys. However, it got started. It was a little rough. Mama Erie uh, came down with COVID. And Seth Erie um, got B, which is short for influenza B. So he's been walking around oh. saying, I got B. <laughs> I got B. Right. Um, oh, my goodness. Oh, and there's Mama Bear making an appearance, just giving the peace sign. Peace so, sign. so big Nate. You're, you're, are you, are you now after you, okay, so you're officially a sophomore, but your grades, like you're ahead, right? You're a junior now, like academically, basically, basically, no biggie. Yeah. 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 So how was, how would you said was your first semester sophomore year? Yes. With the ACL, Mm -hmm. but let's just, let's just hear like drop some wisdom on us, Nate. What have you learned? All right. First thing off, um, I just want to say I was diagnosed with, uh, Handsome B. Handsome B. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, nice. And, and, and Seth, if you could watch this, is literally bending over, shaking his booty <laughs> yeah. like he's twerking whole, right that's now. That's a lifelong a terminal right condition, now. you know what I mean? Yes. I've been struggling with it. There um, is a lot of... Let me drop some wisdom. Let me drop yeah. some wisdom to some people. So Handsome B, yeah, that's yeah, what you led B. with, was Handsome <laughs> B? Yeah, I got it. Um, a Hannah B you know, and Handsome B? I to drop some yep. wisdom about college. Yeah, let's hear some college, man. What do we... What do we... What do the old people listening need to know about the... Light of today's Cash. college students. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now Sefi is shaking Nate's arm. Just be yourself. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that be is horrific. Real. No, yeah. um, be think. real. Did you add me yet? No. Come on, Stafford. I got on there because you guys kept hounding me. All right, how about this piece of wisdom? Why don't you let me talk? Oh. Um, <laughs> all right. So, you know... <laughs> There are many things I've learned in my time. Sefi, calm down. Yep, Sefi right. is now this wrestling is my, dad. This is my moment. Oh, okay. Yep. There's many things I've learned in my time. Yeah. Um, I'm an experienced vet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, I just want to say, yeah. uh, I love you all. Mm. Um, that's what I've learned mm. is that I can't do anything without mm. the support of people around me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need support. Yeah. But it's also yeah. the biggest thing that I've learned is that you yourself have to be your own biggest supporter. That's right. You can't oh. rely on other people. That's why to I wear an you. athletic supporter. Um, and that's why dad wears uh, a stomach supporter. And I, <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. That's called my legs. No, I'm being serious. I think, uh, I think the, the biggest thing I've learned is support to, yourself. Um, be your own biggest fan. Yeah. But also receive the love of those around you. That sounds, that sounds awful. Great. Um, Great. Um, unless, <laughs> unless the support is coming from your father. Don't, don't receive it. Steffi, what kind of wisdom do you have? What, have, what did you learn this semester at school? Uh, I love school. As seven about um, math computer. Something about mouth, math compute. And about slope. And about slope of a line. Uh, uh, uh. Positive is it goes up up. Yeah, positive line. It's if it's positive slope, the uh, line goes up. And for Foxology podcast. And for the Foxology podcast, that's right, Sefi. That's fantastic, dude. All right, now listen. One last question, Sefi. Yeah, we're trying to keep Which, a positive line going for our yes, podcast, also. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, Seth, what is the thing you are most looking forward to receiving at Christmas? Um, Christmas, yeah, that's it. 
The present. Ew, ice cream. You love ice cream, yep, a absolutely. Floppy. And a floppy, yep. A floppy's kind of, yeah, we've explained floppy before. Yeah. Fantastic. What about you, Nate? Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here it comes. <laughs> it goes, boy. The, the thing, hey, 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 the I, thing I, you would I, treasure I, most. The thing I would treasure most is just quality time with my family. I think that's the present oh, I'm looking forward wow. to. Oh, wow, look at that. Wow. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That would be my answer if I was lying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sefi, what do you want to say? Hit the, hit the music in the Nate too. Hit the music in the Nate too. I hit my theme song too. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's Nate. Play my theme song. Yeah. Well, that's five minutes of our lives we're never going to get back. That was right a hurricane. There. That was, oh, bro. Yeah, was an eerie cane. Let me tell you right now, you said it best. I don't know if we were on air or not, but you said there is a lot of personality in that house. Yeah. Referring to our house, and that is very true. Lots of <laughs> screaming, lots of yelling, lots of happening. So anyway, hello. It's glorious. Mr. Stafford, way to release the first Wanderer episode That's of, right. our, of our um, new miniseries. You want to tell people about what that is? It's kind yeah. of an unexpected Christmas bonus. I know. I started with... Uh, so this is a short little series looking at trying to understand kind of the purpose of worship and things we've talked about in here with worship as justice or resistance. So the first episode, it's just it'll be these little mini short episodes that look at different hymns and kind of the social context and the ways that they were used um, in community to provoke people to justice ideas or different things like that so the first yeah. episode came out this last week and it was on oh holy night and how that became an abolitionist hymn yeah yeah come on so that just drops in the in the middle of our feed correct yeah it just drops in the middle of our feed i'm re-recording the hymns just in my office real little simple versions of them and then tacking them on the end of it so you can listen to the song with the context of kind of where it came from look at that Love Look it, bro. Look at that. Look at that. Look at us. Um, let me do we a couple are a of positive line. We are a slope that is trending up. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of thank yous. Speaking of trending up, well, thank, thank you. you that uh, in our Patreon community, we had Robert, Sandy, Nicole, and Andrew join thank us. Thank you. And uh, thank y'all. So, yeah, seriously, thank you so much for that. Um, and again, if you want to find out more how to support the community, you can go to Voxology Podcast. There's a link to tithe.ly, and there is a link to Patreon. And um, we are 501c3 crowdfunded nonprofit, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your support. Uh, Tim has some news. What would we call it? News of the weird news. I think we had a we had a segment once that was called like. So current anyway, current these are two little news things that came through. They're real short. One of them was, you know, in 2019, uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral burnt to the ground. Yes, it did. So I watched archaeologists, it. yeah, crazy, beautiful, huge cathedral. Actually, on uh, Holy Post this week, Sky and Caitlin have a conversation that deals with like they were riffing off of something that we talked about with um, that we also talked about with the drummers that were hanging from the ceiling, you know, at the church. Oh in yeah, Texas, yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether or not that's like because the church came out in defense of it because it got so viral, mm. and so they're just kind of talking about gaudy things that the church uses, and they're and they went into cathedrals and kind of the 
history of cathedrals and who built them and the history and stuff. But oh wow! So Notre Dame burnt down, and then these um, archaeologists have been digging in the ruins of it. Ooh. And underneath the church, they found two lead cased sarcophag. I think you yeah. sarcophagi. Sarcophagi. Yeah. I forgot how you did the plural. Yeah, sarcophagi. Sure. Two two lead sealed ones underneath Ooh. the church, and one of them was a, a really rich canon guy of the church that that's you know he had paid for a lot of the church being built and paintings and different things. The other one, the person, their teeth were taken out. They were decapitated. Whoa. What? And they had different herbs and stuff in the thing. So I'm just saying. That's, that's buried beneath the church, no teeth in a lead coffin. Oh, oh is that a vampire? Is that a vampire? I'm just, saying, I'm just saying. Halloween? It could very well be <laughs> the church out there was taking care of business. And no good movies start with people digging up lead sealed yeah. sarcophagi. That's true. And then yeah. opening them and letting whatever's in there out. Dude, so, I, I watched The Mummy. We should never do that. Exactly. Ever. 2023, we were like just about to get out of another year of disasters. And here we go. Oh man! Imagine he's off with a bang. Imagine that starts that starts a plague. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, by the way, I just started. Mass. Speaking of plagues, I just started um, the Gunslinger, the Dark Tower the series. Yes, Gunslinger is my favorite book of all time. Okay, is it okay? So I'm totally confused by it. So I oh. guess maybe we'll talk about it later. Yeah, but it's like I'm totally that series confused. is a big undertaking. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. It was like revised or something. But I thought of you. Yes, I love um, that book because I've only ever read The Stand by oh, book too. Stephen King. So yes, now I have I'm a starting very large Stephen King collection. And yeah. then during COVID, when we were locked up, I I bought every different version of the Gunslinger I could find in different languages. <laughs> so I just have a stack of them. They all have different art and they look cool. But I have like. That's funny. In Hebrew, in Japanese, in French, Italian, Chinese, all of them. So, this your, I mean, we need to interview your wife at some point. I know. Maybe just, not. Just and and, and do you want to? I mean, do you want to talk about what you painted your house? What color you painted your house? <laughs> I just, just painted wanna, my entire house black. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. All right. So so yep, I was a fan of the Rolling Stones. I see a red door, <laughs> and I want to paint it black. Didn't paint but, my I've, door. but I've never ever seen a house painted black. Timothy. Yeah. The, uh, so we're going to do an episode that's just a, as my friend would say, a carefrontation, just about <laughs> about you and this. What yeah. what um, is that a trend? Are there other houses? There is. Are, yeah, there's a little bit of a trend with we painted the entire house body and trim all the same color, all black, and mm. then I've been accenting it with different plants and then some wood things out front like i just built a couple chairs and a swing and any lead sarcophagi not yet i mean who knows what's buried in this house ship that in from uh france (laughs) i'm gonna get one of those so that's one more story one more that's a very weird news story okay this one has to do with um i i feel like it has kind of has implications to our conversation about um american like evangelicalism and Christian Mm. nationalism stuff. Mm. So psychologists at the University of North Carolina have reconstructed what Americans think God looks like using a new technique. No way. So you'll never guess what God looks like. Um, Um, uh, One of the singers from ABBA. 
who is no. Swedish and blonde. It's George Clooney. Just, just kidding. It's not. So a team of psych. They <laughs> sat was down like, with well, five hundred. I mean, I can think of yeah, five hundred and eleven Christians, and they just showed them randomly two faces paired together, and then they had to pick one of the two, and then they did it again, they did it again, they did it again, just picking one of the two. Oh my goodness! Of what they imagined the face of God looks like, and then the researchers merged all the faces that they chose into a singular image of what it was, and what they found from all this is that it was a far from the um, old big white beard man that we've always kind of associated God with in well, that's good. imagery. But unsurprisingly, they found that the way that people viewed God um, was also influenced by their political beliefs with conservatives no. seeing God as more Caucasian and more powerful <laughs> and liberals who saw God as more loving and feminine. Oh, boy. But overall, the biggest thing was that uh, people tended to think that God looks most like them. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. So the, Ameri- the biggest trend in American evangelicalism with looking at what people think God oh, looks like goodness. is that we think that he looks a lot like us. Yep. Boy, that's so good, Tim. Can you link Pretty that weird. one? Because that yeah, one's, that one's the, juicy. I'll in the show notes. That's juicy. So we okay. got vampires and gods who look like ourselves. I mean, isn't that what a vampire is? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. Tim. I have a yes. big question. We um, we have a very robust Patreon community, yeah. and um, on there, I, I threw up some uh, references to the discussion we've been having about biblical masculinity, which has turned into biblical femininity. And um, one of the questions we got on there was, "Can women be elders?" Um, the message was, "Hey, there are some folks." who will accept now women as teachers, but um, but not so much women as elders. And so we thought, you know, I don't know if this will be the last, and I know next episode we're bringing Bethany Shea in, who's got an Advent devotional, and we're gonna, right. we're gonna do some myth busting around Christmas, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, who, so who knows? Who knows? We've got some juicy emails that that uh, are sitting there waiting for replies too. But I thought this was a great question, and, and it's one I'd kind of never thought about because I always assumed that uh, because one of the functions, subfunctions of elders is teaching, that right. that answering the teaching question would answer the elder question. So I've yeah. never never separated them. Although I mean, Paul when he talks about the elders who are teaching should receive special honor. I always just thought that was the role of elders. Yeah. Um, so I've never separated the question. So I did some digging, yeah. Tim. And some excavating. I mean, I didn't Looking find any, any, any lead covered, <laughs> you know, coffins or anything, but um, I did want to, you know, throw out some thoughts around this topic because as separate from the whole teaching thing, um and uh and see kind of i don't know where we go with it what do you think you know we that's a question we could have asked dr kohick last um last week last week but you know why ask an expert when (laughs) you could have us talk about it exactly (laughs) so so hey let's give it a shot shall we let's shall all right, so because I've heard this before, like, well, why doesn't the Bible just say so and so was a pastor or so and so was an elder? 
Yeah. Like, give just give me a name of one woman in church history who was called a pastor or an elder, and then we'll be we'll be happy. And uh, and I think that's I mean I think that's a, a very common objection, and I don't think that's an unfair question to ask around this issue. And um, I need to give a shout out to a uh, a woman, an Australian scholar, whose research has been immensely helpful and very accessible. So I read uh, loads of academic books around this, but she has a website where she's, she's synthesized and summarized a ton of great research and done her own. And um, her name is uh, Marg Mosko. Um, and Moscow, Moscow, Cal, Co, I think it's Co, is spelled M-O-W-C-Z-K-O. M-O-W-C-Z-K-O. Her first name is Marg with a hard G, M-A-R-G. And she has an entire website of articles and research. And um, so there's some points that she brings to this conversation that I'm channeling yeah. Uh, and wanted to give her credit. There are some mic points in here, and you'll be able to discern the difference. I mean, you'll just know. You'll just know. Um, so, first of all, can women be elders? Uh, one of the things that um, Marg points out consistently is that there are there are two people named as elders but but elder is such a fuzzy word because it can mean older person right or it can mean it can mean like a a, a hierarchical office or it could refer to just sort of vaguely or an overseeing role of a community right so there are three different versions of it and paul uh, there, there are only two people named as elders. John calls himself, whoever wrote like 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, John the Elder. And then Peter refers to himself as an elder. Pliny um, the Elder. Pliny the Elder. Well, good pull, dude, with Pliny <laughs> the Younger. Um, uh, coming up, you know, second. I, he wasn't a junior. He was Pliny the Younger, just to be clear. But those aren't Paul's favorite words. Pastor and elder are not Paul's words for gospel co-laborers like he doesn't the reason people aren't called pastor so-and-so or elder so-and-so when no one's called that right um uh like paul never identifies a named individual as an elder bishop or pastor so in some ways doing than what your title was exactly (laughs) his favorite terms for ministers uh, were co-worker Mm. um apostle laborer yeah and he uses each of those words for men and women alike so so if you just track like elder words um no one's named as an elder or pastor words no one's named as a pastor so so to ask that question really isn't i don't think personally a helpful question especially when we frame it like well are there any any women who are named elder or pastor well that right. that's just not what paul did but there are tons of women named minister or deacon or servant or co-worker or benefactor yeah and that's where you're like huh are we are we really going to build as part of the argument to exclude women 
an argument from silence. Well, there just aren't any mentioned. So that means there aren't any? No, that's, I don't think that's what it means. Yeah. I also think the term elder is really fuzzy, as I've already hinted at. First, it could just mean older. In both its masculine and feminine forms, most often it has to do with just an older adult. Now, yeah. that older adultness was one of the conditions for overseeing. Right. So there's a double meaning to that, right? When when Timothy, when Paul gets into like qualifications for elders and deacons, they must not be a recent convert. They, in other words, they're they've they've been an elder in the faith, kind of. They're mature. It's kind of the idea. Second, the second fuzzy point. First fuzzy point is does the does the term mean just older? Um, the second fuzzy point is how hierarchical were the early churches? Um, and there's a lot of debate. We have words that end up being translated bishop, but were those official positions in the first right. century? Um, did people vote on elders like we do in churches today? Um, I just don't, I, that's not the picture we get of the organization of the first century church. Now, it did become way more hierarchical as time went on. Shocking. Shocking. But uh, I just don't think you can make a case that there were no women elders um, from the fact that there are any named um, the, the third point is, is elder. When we think of elders today, we think of board of elders. We think of CEO with a board of advisors or a board of yeah. elders who have authority over the senior pastor. We've made, we've made the term very corporate and we've made the term about authority. That wasn't what the, the early traditions had to do with elder, right? Elder, uh, comes from, uh, the Jewish synagogue and that's a play, that's a title of wisdom. Yeah. It's a title of experience. That's a title of maturity. It's not a title of authority. Yeah. So, so to even ask, can women be elders? To specify, if we if we mean eldering today, we're asking a question of the text that the text would never have conceived of to answer. Yeah, that's just not how elders were were pictured. And again, those aren't the words Paul uses: co-laborers, co-workers, co-ministers partners in the gospel those are words he uses and he uses those of men and women equally yeah um but if if we take the functions of an elder um teaching preaching overseeing a congregation then i actually think you can make a case that there were women who did those functions yeah yeah not positions in terms of authority or hierarchy but positions yeah, in terms of the, influence right. wisdom Absolutely. Um, and, and one of those, one of those is Phoebe. And Phoebe is mentioned as the diakonos of the church um, in, and I can't pronounce it, it begins with a C, in a city um, in Romans 16, 1 and 2. Columbus. Um, yeah, Columbus. The, the Columbus of the ancient world, let's say. And he uses that word to describe other male ministers. So this is a word that he's commonly using. And like Dr. Kohick, uh, Scott McKnight, and others have persuasively argued that if Phoebe is carrying the letter to the Romans the, and reading it out loud, then she's also interpreting it. Right. Totally. Um, and so, so you have, I think in this instance, a very clear uh, indication that she is a benefactor of Paul that she's entrusted with this incredibly important letter to read it and to respond publicly to it. Um, and, and so th there you have, I think, uh, an example of, of a function of an elder slash pastor. You also have women leading house churches. 
Um, and and the, the leading of a house church was more than just hosting it because of the way Paul addresses some of the women who are leading these house churches. He actually instructs them about how to lead their house church. Yeah. In one case, he warns two of them who are disagreeing. In other cases, he's emphasizing and sending greetings. Um, so, so, like, for instance, you have Nympha in Colossae. You have Priscilla. Now, Priscilla is super interesting. Priscilla and Aquila kind of are a, are, are a unit. Something like um, an 80s, like, pop duo. Yeah, Milli Vanilli was preceded. <laughs> By Priscilla, by Priscilla and Aquila, and Aquila. <laughs> except they actually sang their own songs. Oh, snap! Blame <laughs> it on cocaine. Yeah, yeah. We used to sing "Blame It on Hussein." Oh, that's funny. The song was "Blame It on the Rain," but as yeah. you can see, we corrupted it. Now, <laughs> they corrupted it first. <laughs> Priscilla, they did. Yes, Priscilla. I'm just gonna read you some facts about yeah. Priscilla. Now, give me some usually, facts. Yeah. Usually in the first century, if you're naming a couple, the man is named first. Duh. Even today, if you're sending like a Christmas card to Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, usually name the guy first. Yeah. Um, and, and there is one time I'm, I know for sure where Aquila was named first, but then, then it flips and Priscilla is always named first after that, Priscilla and Aquila. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to read some Priscilla facts, my friend. When Apollos, a very gifted teacher, was teaching in Ephesus, it was Priscilla and Aquila who corrected his his theology. So it says literally that they sat Apollos down and instructed him in the way more correctly. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, and because Priscilla's listed first there, the idea is they both were involved. And the counterpunch to this is, well, they didn't do it publicly. It didn't matter. The fact that Apollos, yeah. a gifted teacher, received it as authoritative, and that's the point. Yeah. Right? No one else has mentioned being involved, and correcting doctrine certainly was an elder function. When Paul closes his first letter to the Corinthians, which he wrote from Ephesus, FSS, he mentions <laughs> greetings. Emphasis on the FSS. He meant, nice English teacher joke. He mentions greetings from the churches and from the brothers and sisters in Ephesus and surroundings, but he only names Aquila and Priscilla. In other words, he names like the church leaders of the church in Ephesus as along with him in sending greetings to the church in Corinth. When Paul writes his second letter to Timothy in Ephesus, again, he singles out Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, for for worthy of special mention, he doesn't give a big long list of names, but he mentions them in Paul's list of greetings to members of the Church of Rome, given in the last chapter of Romans. It's a list that includes twenty eight individuals. Priscilla is listed first. Now, again, to us, that means nothing. But yeah. you would you would order such a list in order of prominence. Right, And so the idea is they were well-known in Rome. They were well-known in in Ephesus. They were well-known in Corinth. These were major hitters. These were not like like, like just folks who were handing out communion juice or something at the Lord's table. Like these were leaders in the church and well-known among the churches. Now, again, it doesn't say that they were elders or pastors, but you cannot hide from the fact that they had very prominent roles in very high-profile communities. Then, 
Uh, so we've got Phoebe, we've got Priscilla. Then we're gonna we're gonna reference um, Third John or Second John. Excuse me, Second John. Second John, man, not really one of the favorite books of the New Testament. Um, very short. It's good if you if you want to memorize something and say I memorized yeah. the book of the Bible, then that's Second and Third John are the way to go. But in um, Second John, uh, in fact, why don't I, I just pull it up right here? Why don't you pull it up? Yeah, Bible Gateway. I've got a First John tattoo. Do you really? Yeah. Wow. It, okay, so, so this is uh, John saying, the elder, he identifies himself, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. So he references, uh, he, he calls himself an elder, the elder. Now, again, does that just mean older person or whatever? To the lady chosen by God and to her children. Now, there, there are, and I used to think this, of course, the lady here was just a reference for the church. Hmm. Or the lady was a reference to an individual who had literal children. Like this was to a mom and her kids. But I think there is a a really good case, Scott McKnight makes it, that this is addressed to a woman leading a church. Hmm. Um, And uh, no congregation in the New Testament is referred to as lady. And the Greek word is is, uh, kyria. Kyrios is master or lord. Kyria, a lady, like madame. Um, Even in later writings, we have no instance of a church referred to in this way. Um, On the other hand, we have examples of many women being addressed with this honorific, who are individual women. So, like, you know, um, dear madame would be um, uh, the equivalent of saying to the lady. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's, it's clearly not the church because we never see it used this way. Now, right. in Greek, there are times, there are, there are different uh, pronouns. There are, I think, five examples of the singular feminine pronoun applied to the lady. There are multiple examples of the plural pronoun applied to the lady when it's referring to her and her children. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so there are complementary and complementarian scholars who will say, oh, yeah, 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 the, the pronouns here are really mixed up. But when the lady is referred to by herself, it's a, it's a feminine pronoun. And when uh, singular, and when when it's the lady and her church, it's a, a plural pronoun, which you would expect. Um, and so, so what you've got is a picture. Kyria, the word we translate lady, is used of usually high status women, and we have examples of that. We do not have examples of it applied to congregations. Um, and then she's described as chosen. And um, chosen can be applied to plurals or can be applied to singular. And there are examples of each, right? The, the chosen, like, like Peter will call, he'll, he'll use the word the elect. To the, to, the, you know, to the elect in the diaspora in Asia Minor, he'll say. Um, as opposed to the elect lady singular 
And there yeah. are examples we have in the Bible of the elect lady singular, the chosen lady, right? Chosen so, one. yes, 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 yes. So, um, and if lady was just a just was like a symbol for the church, then who are the children, right? That doesn't that doesn't make any sense that you would use two images for a church. the The better understanding is that she is the leader of the church, and that the church are her metaphorical or spiritual children, yeah. children right? Um, and, and so again, I'm not doing justice to the argument, but that gives you the flavor for the idea that, um, a, the word elder is really, really fuzzy. What do we mean by it? B, there are examples, I think of women who fulfilled parts of the role of what we would understand eldering to be, whether they were house church leaders or whether they were correcting doctrine. Um, and so, you know, I actually think, okay. I think we have examples of that and loads of examples of women named uh, ministers, co-workers, co-laborers, partners totally. in the gospel. And I, I, I think that, that to me, in, in lacking other counter evidence is enough to say, yeah. Now, yeah. The, we even have, now some of the counter evidence, let's explore that, is the fact that we have examples, and this is where Marga does some great work of her own, of inscriptions and church manuals that reference women elders. Now, again, elders could be older, older women. Yeah. And Paul uses the term in 1 Timothy 5 when he talks to older women, he uses the term elder, um, yeah, which just in this in that instance just mean, seems to mean older women. But there are inscriptions where uh, women elders are referenced. There are church manuals where women elders are mentioned. And then there's a very famous church council, the Council of Laodicea, that condemned women elders. Um, and, and again, yes, they ab- absolutely, most of the time when women elders are mentioned in church manuals, it's negative. Like women yeah. should not be elders. And so the question is, are they channeling New Testament teaching in those judgments? Or are they channeling cultural stereotypes cultural, yeah. in those in those judgments? And again, that's a great, but but clearly there were women elders, at least yeah. in title, is the point that Marg makes. And then and then one piece of counter evidence that we have to to tackle is the 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 lists in Timothy that um that talk about elders being the husband of one wife Hmm. um like when you go oh siri quit when when you go to like the first timothy all right i'm gonna fire that sucker up right now i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do what are you gonna do what how did i say it before i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna bring it up i don't remember now okay That would have been a great callback, though. Here is a trustworthy (laughs) saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach. Now, this is the NIV here does a really good job because there are no masculine pronouns here. Just whoever. Yes, it's anyone. Yeah. Like the one who aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife. Now, now this, this, in older translations, uh, the husband of one wife was how I always had heard it. Yeah. Or other people translate it like a one woman husband. 
and and there you're like oh well that seems to indicate well then they're male you know correct obviously um uh faithful to his wife temperate self-controlled respectable hospitable able to teach not given in drunkenness not violent but gentle not quarrelsome not a lover of money he must be able to uh, manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect so you have a bunch of masculine pronouns that come in yeah. later but initially any if anyone wants to be an overseer there is no masculine pronoun there so it's not like paul saying hey men if you want to be an overseer here's what that looks like yeah he said if anyone wants to be an overseer which i think is kind of a big deal now it's not surprising he uses the masculine pronouns but here's an interesting thing about greek there are greek words that are masculine greek words not all of well greek words are gendered um and sometimes that matters in their meaning and sometimes it doesn't evidently um so there are masculine words that uh, masculine greek words that are inclusive and that there are other masculine greek words that are exclusive they just mean men only so um adelphoi is a greek word we translate brothers in older translations it refer we like we translated brothers but newer translations we recognize adelphoi even though it's a masculine word refers to brothers and sisters yeah so just because it's a masculine word doesn't mean it refers only to men that's interesting and adelphoi is a great example of that or even there's a there like lepers there are cases where lepers just refers to like anyone who is a leper but it's a masculine word Mm. um so so again this is where you know newer translations will often put in brothers and sisters even though the word technically just means brothers sisters is implied so so you have at the beginning of first timothy you you don't you you don't have any masculine pronouns. So you have them later, and certainly if you're going to use the household as an example of someone's leadership, then very often the 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 man is the one who runs the household. Right. And there's no question the vast majority of first century household leaders were men. Um, but then you have examples like we we brought up Nympha, or we brought up. Um, um, uh, the lady, the chosen lady, right? Uh, and 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 we're not sure because a man isn't mentioned if they were household leaders or not. The big the the big thing that people have used to disqualify you know females from being elders is this idea faithful to his wife. Right now now the, the NIV has done something really good and really bad here. Um, it's done something really good in the sense that. Um, the older translation, the husband of one wife, was always thought to have meant uh, to, to rule out polygamy. Although right. polygamy was not, that's, I think it's scholarship has shown polygamy was not a huge deal in the Roman Empire. Um, it was outlawed, frankly. Um, uh, and so I think what's being spoken here, and, and a guy named Philip Payne does some great work on this. He's talking about sexual fidelity. Uh, in fact, the, the faithful to his wife isn't that masculine. It's, it's the idea of just being monogamous. And, and, um, and so the idea is uh, they must be, now the overseer, again, no masculine pronoun, is to be above reproach, sexually faithful, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. 
Yeah. In other words, and, and there, are, there are several complementarian scholars who admit that that's the best way to translate that <laughs> passage, that husband yeah. of one wife or faithful to his wife doesn't rule out women here. It's an idiom of saying, hey, they need to be monogamous. Yeah. And Marg argues that there's actually um, a, a further idea because this word is used of widows later that 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 widows the same word that we translate faithful to his wife is used of widows women huh. whose husbands have died who have committed to being celibate after the death of their husbands so huh. there's like almost a chaste like yeah. connotation here too now my point in even bringing all this obscure stuff up is to say all right are there women elder? Are, can women be elders? I'm saying I think they can. Yeah. Well, how come we don't have any named? Well, firstly, because we don't have any who are named. Instead, right. what we have are named co-workers, co-laborers, partners, deacons, so on. Secondly, what we mean by elder and what they would have meant by elder are two totally different things. So let's look at the function of what we think elders would do, right? right. Oversee a church. Um, uh, like you would manage a household, correct doctrine, and so on. And I think there are examples, the chosen lady in Second John, Phoebe, Priscilla are, are three, maybe Nympha as a house church leader. Lydia certainly hosted a house church and is given instructions about not being divided or not allowing division in, in her church, I think. Um, but, but the point is we have... We have examples that aren't conclusive. I mean, this isn't slam dunk like stuff, but when you have Junia listed among the apostles, yeah. right? It's not, it's not shocking that you would have had ministers who were female. I mean, I just think that that's assumed in Acts and in Paul's writings. And then you look at the counters to those things and the counters, well, yeah, women, women elders are mentioned in other literature, but they're condemned. Um, yep. Not surprising. Not surprising. Right. They're still condemned today. <laughs> yep. Well, they're not even, it's like uh, the gendered conversation is not even a church, not solely a church conversation. It echoes through, we've talked about it in, you know, business and athletics and right. everything. We still yeah. hold this notion or it's like, it's tied into our DNA of a, like, masculine down to feminine structure right that we have in society so it's and that's in 2022 right so to think in you know 60 ad or 200 ad or whatever that this was not also prevalent is totally foolish. absolutely and again um this is one piece of a very large complex puzzle where we want to say, at least, you know, from our point of view, and it's certainly an evolution over the years for me personally, um, that the restrictions uh, given to women fly in the face of, I think, a lot of counter evidence about how women were empowered and are based on, I think, misinterpretations of two or three texts Um and uh, and then thirdly, they, it flies sort of in the face of what we see Jesus and Paul actually doing. Yeah. Um, one of the points Marg makes that's really powerful is that women are nowhere excluded from being elders. Nowhere does it say an elder cannot be a woman. Yeah. Nowhere. Which should be, oh, whatever, go on. Yeah. 
I mean, and now again, back to Second Timothy or First Timothy two. I always want to say Second Timothy one. First Timothy two, the the teach and have authority are those two separate things. And some will say, well, that's eldering. Like what's being prohibited there is eldering, teaching and having authority. But um, as Dr. Kohik has said, and many others, the have authority, there is not proper authority at all. It is any authority for any person should never have that kind of authority over another person, yeah. male or female. So it's a Which really seems negative word. congruent with other things. Correct. So I just don't think there's a great case. Um, and then if you need a deal breaker... Uh, well, I see, you know, I see parts of complementarians, the complementarian story. I see parts of the egalitarian story. Then, uh, then if Paul were here, he'd say, well, what furthers the gospel? Yeah. And clearly, uh, egalitarian views further the gospel, not in every yeah. instance, not in Afghanistan or in Pakistan or other places, but certainly here. Um, now I don't happen to think that's the tiebreaker that we don't need one. Yeah. But I know there are really smart people who disagree and understand the scriptures better than I do and would have different opinions, and hallelujah for that. But I, I wanted to talk about eldering as an example, just because I'd never broken that out yeah. you know, from teaching. Now, one of the great, can we talk about what it is that your friend had said kind of in response to this whole conversation? Because I thought that was amazing. Didn't one of your friends say, you're looking at me funny. I mean, don't remember. <laughs> well, didn't one of your friends say, I'm an egalitarian, but the, I don't like being an egalitarian because it doesn't give me a vision for what being masculine means. No, that was uh, that was a, the conversation off air with uh, Dr. Kohik last week. Oh, she, was, she said that. She told a story. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry. I should never have attributed that such an intelligent well, point she was, you, to you. <laughs> exactly. She was <laughs> responding to uh, last week's episode. I mentioned that I had male students writing essays um, bemoaning the demonization of masculinity or whatever and how it's just like yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I mentioned off air that I also had a female student who did a presentation on why the pay gap between men and women is appropriate. Right, right. And so we were just kind of talking about that, and she mentioned that she had had um, a conversation with a student or somebody that grew up in an egalitarian home but uh, kind of leaned complementarian because he didn't feel like he had been given an accurate uh, description or an accurate tools of what it means to be, like what biblical masculinity looks like or whatever. And, right. And she's kind of held that. Thank you tightly as a reference point when engaging in this conversation yeah because we started with the idea of biblical manhood and right. this quest we started by looking at like the the man up conference of okay men yeah, need to right. bring their manliness up to the next level we're gonna run the man down con conference yes the yeah we are the man down <laughs> conference absolutely and um and that led us then because so often um, the conversation about biblical manhood uh, has not only implications for biblical womanhood, but is defined against biblical right. womanhood that we naturally headed over that direction as well. And one of the big points we've tried to make is the quest for biblical manhood or womanhood is dumb AF, as my kids would say. Like <laughs> you have examples of masculinity and femininity that are great and that are awful. 
And the, the picture the Bible gives is that there's room for all of it, right? Uh, so, so Jesus following can look masculine and Jesus following can look feminine, but that's not just limited to gender, right? Um, right? And so, so the, the, the quest we have that sits at the bottom of trying to figure out biblical masculinity and femininity, that, that whole thing is, uh, I think, highly damaging and not something the Bible ever would wrestle with. Right. In fact, if you want to use biblical manhood lists, well, then go for the go for the list there of overseer. Right. That we just got right. Even tempered, manage their household well. <laughs> work on that. Yeah. Not a lover of money. Um, right. There you go. Well, I saw my dog. My dog was chasing his tail the other day and I was just watching him <laughs> run after it. And I started thinking about how some of these conversations I met like. God does this big grand design and does all this work and then comes down and becomes human to even further that work and, you know, invest into this idea of humanity. And then we spend centuries trying to prohibit each other from Uh, being a part of the conversation. And I imagine him just looking at us, chasing our own tails and just hitting his head against the wall and being like, this is not what I meant by make disciples. This is not, this is not it guys. Like you're like, it's been an, a couple thousand years like yeah put it to rest yeah i just want to say at the first church of golgotha we have women <laughs> elders women teachers yeah at my everybody's church everybody's welcome and equal yeah that's yep there are there are churches out there um yeah so here's a great vision so let's say you believe that women cannot be elders so here's a great description for biblical manhood and the fact that the people who think there should be women elders, rarely live up to this, at least publicly, says something. Um, They must be above reproach, sexually faithful, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. There you go. We should do a whole episode on there's being some above biblical reproach. manhood for you yeah oh wow yes like reproach accountability transparency those kind of ideas Ooh. Ooh, i like what you're thinking timothy so um you know what really always bothers me too is how much we need because i had this conversation with an elder when we were Ooh. talking about women in the church and how they just wouldn't they, they don't have women elders and they will never have women elders but they have they but they have women in positions. They just give them different titles. They just can't totally. have the title elder. And it's like, what is your obsession with names and titles? Like, right. If you're gonna put women into a similar position, but just you can't give them the title, like, what does that actually mean to you? Right. It's just such a weird. It's such a weird argument. Right. It is. Yeah. It, exactly. And, and 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 again, I mean, here. So later on in First Timothy three. Paul describes the qualifications of deacons and he clearly addresses male and female and uses that same line faithful to his wife in a context where men Uh and women are both right. I mean, but yet when we get to elders, we interpret that phrase differently now. Um, and it, and it, and it's just the double standards are legion here. Yeah. Legion. I mean, they really are. And, and, you know, as, as we've talked about this as dads of daughters, um, 
Deal breaker. Yes. Did I tell you the story? I think I did last week about the young lady that came up and told me I was wrong after a sermon. Did I tell you that story? Yeah, but I don't know if you told it on air. I think I did. Okay. I don't remember. But yeah, it, like in our little church, this, I don't know how old she is. She just 19, 18, she comes up and is like, hey, you're really wrong. I think you're really wrong about this. <laughs> and the fact that this little, um, not little, man, what a patronizing word that I was, she's not a little girl. I was going to say this young woman yeah. um, felt comfortable talking to the old dude and saying, I think you're wrong. I love it. Yeah. What a great, what a yes. great, great example. I mean, that's what we're trying to, you know, get going. So anyway, friends, um, we've got just so much um, that we're thinking about and dreaming. We want to thank you for the ways that you encourage and support and engage. Man, we learned so much from you all. And the questions... Um, I mean, seriously, they, they yeah. change. So many they, of these series come out of either a question yeah, or a random, yeah. like the, we didn't plan on doing a manhood, biblical, gender series, but we had and one yet, conversation that turned into seven episodes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it's so much of what you guys are thinking and express. So thank you. Thank you for that. Next week, we're going to dismantle Christmas. It's going to be great. And when um, you pray, just picture your own face. Wow, because that's what God <laughs> looks like. you already like. are. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think that Jesus was a little overweight. I think he was, um, you know, follically challenged. He, it, says, it says in Isaiah that he had no majesty to attract people to him. I don't have Megan majesty. Megyn Kelly, like, finally made it official that Jesus and Santa are both white, so... Oh, she did. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't realize I we can, I, we can I put didn't, that all to rest. Oh, good. I didn't realize um, we had an authority weigh in on that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, then the chosen needs to recast, evidently, your show, Tim. They should have had you and McGregor on there in the first place. Max von Sindow. <laughs> I don't know if anyone will know who he is. Got the voice he, for it. He's, uh, yeah, he's Swedish. I love the Swedish Jesus. Anyway, friends. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you in these days. And may he give us peace. Peace. See ya. Peace. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials, facebook.com backslash Voxology podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.